Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, for those of you who uh, are wondering who is this guy about to speak, you know, speaking, um, uh, my name is Canon Mark Eldridge, and I'm a director of Anglican Revitalization Ministries, which is a ministry of the American Anglican Council, and we, we serve the Anglican Church. There's a lot of Anglican stuff going on. The Anglican Church in North America, uh, um, you know, working with churches all over the province um, uh, in terms of strengthening and, and being healthy and growing and revital, revival, revitalizing. So um, I, I've just, uh, for those of you who weren't able to be a part of the, the Friday night or the Saturday part of this Revive Weekend that we do, and just uh, we're, we're kind of wrapping up this, this weekend that we've been talking about a variety of different things. Uh, and so I get to kind of conclude that with, with the sermon. I'm so thankful and honored that Father Gene would um, allow, allow me this time, uh, invite me in and be able to have this time with you. Uh, my, what I like to do uh, when I'm preaching on these revived weekends is to, to, to take a little bit of time to kind of wrap up or, or su summarize and bring, bring those of you who weren't able to be there for whatever reasons um, into uh, kind of into the loop, so to speak, or just sort of bring you up to speed about what, what we've been talking about so they kind of on, uh, on the same page and then, and then really lean into a big aspect of the, what we talk about in the Revive weekend, um, both Friday and Saturdays, particularly yesterday morning, on, on the, the need to, in, as churches in our current day and age in 2023 and moving forward in 2024 and beyond, uh, the need to become more missional churches. And what does that mean and how do we do it? Um, we've assessed nearly, and in the, in the work we've done, we've, there's a church health assessment that we do that you all uh, did before this weekend. Um, we've assessed something over 150 of the thousand um, Anglican churches in North America, all of, all of which, and every, every one, which is a pretty good sample size, um, have, have scored the lowest or the, the, the weakest, so to speak, in this area of being missional. Um, and so it's just something that, that we've learned that it, it, it's not something we, we uh, uh, can just talk about here and there. We really need to talk about it a lot. So that's where I'm going to spend a bulk of the time on this morning. But, but um, so just, just to let you know, those of you who couldn't be there, what, what we talked about on Friday night, we really emphasized the, the fact that there is no revitalization without renewal, that, that, that we're not meant to, to do the kind of the work that God's called us to do and calling us to do on our own strength. And, and we were never meant to do that, but sometimes we try on our own strength and we can get weary and heavy burdened. Uh, kind of like we were singing in that song just a minute ago, and you're weary, come to me and find rest. Jesus is enough. And, and so was, we spent time really just with a call and invitation to, to, to find your rest in, in Jesus and to be operating out of a place of, of, of oneness with him. And, and, then, and then from that place of doing the work we've given us to do in the song we talked about, coming in, you know, resting in Jesus, which absolutely true, but in the, in the Christian sense, when that talks about that of resting in Jesus, it doesn't mean resting necessarily by kicking up your feet in a lazy boy and going... All right, I'm rest. I'm good. It's it's resting in Him, meaning like I'm 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 not going to do this life on my own, but I'm going to walk with Jesus and Him with me and me with Him. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna just do this life together, and there's a there's a rest in that. There's a peace in our soul in that, but there's a work that we we're to do in that place of, of rest in Him. So so we talked about that Friday night, and then we talked a lot about the work that, to do yesterday morning, particularly this need to be missional. Um, I, uh, what I'm excited, one of the things we did talk about too yesterday morning was we, kind of the, we, we did just sort of like a, uh, just kind of a show of hands, where do people think that the church, church is right now, Christ Church West Shore specifically, like, um, you know, are you, are you at a place of incline and growing, are you kind of 
maybe plateaued a little bit, or we call recline, or are you in a place of decline? And where do you kind of think it is? And there was a real sense from everybody there that, you know, we're, that Christ Church West Shore is in a, in a good place in the sense of like, we, we're either, we're either uh, you know, about to grow or we're getting close. There was a sense of like uh, anticipation and eagerness and hope that, that we're that, that almost like we've been this long journey and been through a variety of, you know, uh, this journey of finding a new building and, uh, and the, the ups and downs and the losses and the challenges, but now that you've arrived in this wonderful facility here, uh, that there's a sense of, okay, now that we're here, we're ready to go and, and do, the, do the next phase of what God's wanting us to do. And so that's exciting. And, um, and, I, and I share that anticipation and that excitement with you and affirm that. Um, I, I mentioned just a minute ago this, this facility. I love it. I'm, by the way, I just think it's fantastic. Um, the spaces that you have is amazing and the opportunities that presents you. Um, but I, I, you may have caught that I've referred to it as a facility and not a building. And, and I do that intentionally because I, I, like you, um, was, I was a rector of a church that, that we left buildings and journeyed around and eventually found ourselves in a new home. And I, I took on the language of uh, we found a new facility because the, what I believe is that the facility is to facilitate the mission. A building, it is a building, but it's not just a, a building uh, can comply like, okay, now we're here, and we're just going to kind of sit in our building. But it's a facility to facilitate. It's, it's a tool God's given you to facilitate the mission that he has for you. So I want to uh, think, you know, think about that language intentionally. What's happened in a lot of the Anglican churches around the country who have been on a similar journey and found, got, finally arrived in their new permanent home, they've kind of taken on the attitude of, okay, whew, that we're, we're, we've arrived, we've done the work, we're here, we're good, we're done. And that just feeds what eventually uh, a declining situation. Uh, and so, again, I'm just emphasizing what we captured this weekend was a sense of, okay, now we're arrived, now we're ready to, with God's help, not on our own strength, but in the power of the Spirit, live into this next season of mission that he has for you. So let's talk about it some more here. And I want to specifically look at this passage that was just read from the gospel, John chapter 20. And I want to look at just two verses from, from what uh, Father Gene just read. In John 20, verses 21 and 22, um, Jesus, he, he, he meets with his disciples. This is the, the evening of, uh, of, the, of the first Easter Sunday morning. They, they rose from the dead that morning. Um, that evening, the disciples are, are locked, afraid in that, that room. Um, they've heard word from Mary and, and, uh, and the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus that he's risen. And it's like, what's going on? But they were afraid. They didn't know what's happening. And so then this is, this is the first moment when Jesus, after rising from the dead, appears to them in this room. So this is the first time they saw him after he was crucified um, and was dead and now is alive again. So he appears to them and it says this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Read it again. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In those two verses, I mean, I think there's so much packed in there. In those two verses, just simple two sentences, um, I believe that we can see the three things, the priority of mission, of being missional, the, the power for being missional, and even the plan on how to be missional. And I want to look at all three of those things, the, the priority of, the power for, and the plan to do mission, to be on mission. 
So first, the priority of. The fact that Jesus, in this first night, uh, or the first evening of his resurrection, the first appearance of these disciples, that he chose to say, as the Father sent me, even so I'm sending you, seems significant to me. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to respond. But, um, but, but uh, the question is, do you think Jesus is smart? <laughs> it's a good question, right? Like, I, the first time I, that was posed to me, I remember thinking, I don't know that I've ever thought about that. You know, I thought, okay, he's loving, he's good, he's, he's trustworthy, he's faithful, he's all the things like that, but smart, I don't know, I haven't thought about it. Well, well then I thought about it, well, of course he's smart, right? The whole, if you read in Genesis, all of creation was, was made through him. And, and so he, like, understands physics and stuff, like, you know, how the, the earth and the whole universe works. I mean, he's brilliant, he's smart. But, but seriously, I mean, that is serious too, that's true, but he, 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 he's smart. So, so if he's smart... Um, if, if, he, if he went through all the trouble of coming, leaving heaven, coming to earth, taking on human flesh, um, growing up, living this perfect life, calling these disciples, spending three years of, of, of pouring into them and training them and, and, and doing life with them in order to prepare them to, to, to be on mission and to, to do the, all the work after his death and resurrection. He spent all that time with them, then died, was crucified, rose again, and then appeared to these guys that he'd spent all this time with, that when, after rising again and appearing to them for the first time, do you think, if being smart, that his plan was just to show up and say whatever popped into his head in that moment? Probably not. He was probably not just winging it. I would imagine he was very intentional and very specific about what he chose to say to these, people, these guys in this moment. And what did, what did he say? Let me read it again. First thing, as the Father sent me, even so, I am sending you. You're sent. You're on mission. The first thing that he chose to say to them in that moment, very big moment, you're sent. You're on mission. And I believe that he's clearly saying this is a priority. Now, there's a whole lot of other important things that we're supposed to do as Christians than just be on mission. Um, but he didn't choose in those moments, in that moment, to say those things. He could have said, let's think about it for a minute. He could have said, um, I don't know, like, uh, as we worship the Father together, we went to synagogue, and as we worship, so I want you to continue to worship the Father. Now, by not saying that, he wasn't saying to them that worship's not important. Of course it's important. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We're, it's, worship's important. Um, but he, he didn't choose to say that first. He said, you're on mission, you're sent. Um, he could have said, what else? He could have said, um, as we loved one another and, and, and did fellowship together and did life together, uh, so I want you to, to, to love one another and be in fellowship and care for one another. Now, he's not saying that's not important. In fact, just before he was arrested, the, the, the couple of nights before this, he said, he says, I give you a new command. You must love one another. Right? So loving, that's important, but it's not what he chose to say in that moment. He said, you're sent, you're on mission. And again, I could go on, like, he didn't say, as we, as we studied the word of God together and as we grew in, in, in maturity, I want you to, or, or as we served one another and served others, he said, you're sent. So I'm, I'm saying, he's clearly making this a priority. And the reason I think he was, he said, you're sent first, he said, make the mission, make being missional, make going out and telling people who don't know the, the father don't know the son aren't in the kingdom aren't saved go tell them and bring them in and make them disciples that that's the priority the reason i think he said that is because he knows us better than we know ourselves he knows human nature and he knows our human nature is such that we're going to 
um, would tend to, to default to those things that are more com most comfortable for us and that benefit us. It's true. It's true, it's true for me, at least. And so, so think about all the other things that the church does, like worship. We love worshiping. You know, coming and worshiping, we, we, it, we, we love it, we enjoy it, and we benefit from it. Sometimes you don't want to get up in the morning and come. I get that. But by and large, you like, I benefit from worship. Um, uh, uh, discipleship and doing discipleship and Bible study or going to little churches and you have fellowship together and caring for one another. You benefit from that. And, and, and there's, a, there's something in it that you, you enjoy and you get out of that. And, and same with serving. You, there's even a sense of purpose in serving. All of those things are great and we benefit from it. But when it comes to being evangelism and being on mission and going out and telling people who don't know Jesus about Jesus, that's just hard. We don't know what we're doing, we're not really equipped, we're not trained, and it's just scary and it's hard. So what happens, typically in, in churches, at least in Anglican churches where I spend my life, is that we, we spend all of our time in worship and fellowship and discipleship and ministry, and we talk about doing evangelism. We talk about mission. We have meetings about meeting needs, but don't necessarily meet needs. At least not enough. And so, so what I think Jesus is saying by making this a priority and that first thing, be on mission, is like, do the mission, be missional, be about the mission, and guess what's going to happen? You're going to do the mission, you're going to do evangelism, you're going to see people get saved, and, and then guess what? You're still going to worship. You're not going to stop worshiping because you're already missional. You're still going to worship, you're still going to do fellowship, you're still going to do discipleship stuff, and you're still going to serve. So you get all the things that need to happen start happening when you make mission the priority. And so I'm just pointing that out to you. And in, in, in our culture, in our culture currently that's moved so fast and so far away from Christianity and is continuing to do so, we've got to adapt the mission and being missional as a priority. That's a big part of what we spent our time this weekend talking about. So that's the priority of then the, the power four is built in right there as well. In verse 22, it says, okay, you're sent, but you're not sent on your own strength and in your own ability. He said, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, as we said, said a minute ago, and on Friday night, we spent time in renewal, talking about the renewal, that we, we need to be operating and doing the work he's given us to do in, in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, which he gives us to continue the work that he's, he, he started. And not only was it receiving the Holy Spirit in his presence, and then in the book of Acts reading we heard just a minute ago, there was that also, don't, not only do you have the presence of the Holy Spirit, but wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you receive the power to do the work. So there's something, again, I don't have time this morning, that's not my goal this morning, but, to, but just to point out, there's something about both the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that, that compels us to go to do the mission. And he gives that to us, and we're not meant to do it alone. So the priority, the priority of, but he gives us the power of his own presence, his own, the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, of, of the Godhead, in us to work through us to do the mission to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, etc. So again, okay, so now let's turn to the plan to do it. So this priority of power four, and then what's the plan? How do we do it? Which is the thing we put most struggle with, honestly. Like, okay, well, I don't know. We, good, I'm sign me up. But what do we do? Well, I think in those in that same verse, there's the plan. Again, let me read it one more time. Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. Look what it says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. As I was sent, so you're sent. As I did it, so I want you to do it. 
So we're like, what do I do? Well, he's like, as I was sent, so you're, even so I'm sending you. So if you want to know how to do it, look at what I did. You're sent in the same way. I'm sending you in the same way I was sent. So kind of as he, so we. So I want to just look at a few ways in which, um, or some ways in which um, Jesus was sent that will give us indication of, of what we're supposed to do in, in the same way. So as he, so we. The first thing we, I think we see in Jesus and how he was sent to let us know how we should be sent is that we need to be motivated by love. That's the first point. We need to, we need to be motivated to, on mission, to be on mission by love. Why do I say that? As he, so we. John 3.16, you've probably heard that verse before. It's pretty, pretty, pretty popular, pretty well known. Let me read it. It says that for God so loved the world that, all who, that, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It was love that the reason, the motivation for Jesus to be sent uh, by the Father on this mission to save sinners, to rescue sinful people, to rescue people who are cut off from God and had no hope in the world or for eternal life, the, the, the motivation, his, his reason for sending Jesus on this mission was love. For God so loved the world. So God, God so loved you that he sent his one and only son into the world to rescue us. So as he, so we, as he was motivated by love to see sinful people who are cut off from God, who are trying to do life outside of the design that they were designed for, to live life with God, who have all the mess of life that results from not living in relationship with God. He so loves them, and we're so, so, we need to so love them that we're to go on mission to them that they might have a relationship with God like hopefully you, you have. And, and not only in this life, but in the life to come. So love hopefully should compel us as it compelled the Father. As he was sent, so we're sent. He was sent in love to rescue sinners. We need to by, because of love. And, and again, there's other motivations out there. Like you want, um, you should want Christ Church West Shore to grow. You should want this place packed out um, every Sunday and adding more chairs and even that gigantic parking lot you have out there full every Sunday, you know. Praise the Lord. But not just so Christ Church West Shore is bigger. So that because you love lost people enough to see people who don't know Jesus have Jesus and be made, made disciples in this life until he comes back or we go to be with him. So, so love should be the primary motive. So, so that's the first point. Be motivated by love. The second thing I think we see as he so we, how is Jesus sent? Helps us know how we should be sent. Is, here's the point for us. <clears throat> we need to be willing to leave the comfort of the church. Be willing to leave the comfort of the church to be on mission. Why do I say that? As he, so we. Um, as Jesus was sent, so we're sent. Well, how was he sent? What did Jesus have to do to be sent to come on this mission? Well, he had to leave heaven, come down into this earth, uh, into earth with us, dwell with us, in order to rescue us. This, we, we read this, I mean, it's all over the place, but in John 1, the, uh, the, the, the preamble of John's gospel, which is so wonderful, and it says this, this, let me read verses 14 and 15. It says, The word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word became, he made his dwelling among us. He left all that it was to be in heaven and came down into this dark world and all of its mess to rescue us. 
Now, it wouldn't have been nice if Jesus, I would imagine, I wasn't there, but I imagine it would have been nice if, if Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit having a conversation like, hey, is there any other way we could do this? Maybe we could just like, um, just put a sign up in the, in, in the sky every morning, like, a, like take the clouds and rework the clouds to say, um, you're welcome in heaven, please join us. And that we would somehow find our way up there on our own. Or, or just write it in the sky. He could do that. I mean, right? If, but the problem is it wasn't possible for us to get our way there. We couldn't make our way to heaven. So he had to do the only thing possible, which was to come to where we are, to come into, to become flesh, to dwell with us in order to reveal himself, ultimately die on the cross that we might believe and be saved, right? So, so, so he left, and imagine it was probably pretty comfortable in heaven. I'm looking forward to getting there myself one day. I would imagine it was pretty comfortable. It's all Jesus had ever known. Yet he's willing to leave all of that was to be in eternity. And to come into this mess of the world where we are to rescue us. As he, so we. I think the temptation for us as Christians is somehow we want to we do the, 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 the right of sign in the sky plan. We just want to somehow, if we're just, we're just put a nice sign out front and we have a nice building and have all this stuff, that somehow we can say, come on, you're welcome. And then when people find their way into the church somehow, we'll, we'll greet them well, which you should greet them well, and then be welcoming. But, but we hope that, that that'll be enough. And maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, that was enough. But in 2023 and moving forward 2024, with the way the culture has changed, that's not enough. We have to, as he, so we, leave the comfort of the church, go to where people are, dwell with them, build relationships, and then bring people into the church. I often talk about it this way, if you shift the, the, the kind of the metaphor uh, to, to Jesus' image of mission or evangelism as fishing, right? He said, I'll make you fishers of people. And so there's this idea of we're to be fishing, we're, we're to go out and fish. I think so many of our churches are, are, are planned to fish and to catch fish or catch people is to, is to like go along the water edge. Imagine it's a, this was Lake Erie and there's fish out there and you just go up to the, along the beach and like right along the edge of the water, and we put a nice little net there on the, on the edge of the water, right there, and it's a pretty net. It's a really nice net. It's laid out very nicely. Uh, maybe some decorations on there. Very pretty, really well done. And then we put a, a, a sign up, up next to that net on the beach that says, fish welcome. And somehow hoping those fish will go, oh, that's a very nice net up there on the beach. I, I think I'll just swim over there and jump in. Well, the fishing doesn't work that way, right? Obviously. And so to fish, you have to find where are the fish swimming? Where are they? What time of the day are they swimming? Where are they? Go to where the fish are swimming and lower the nets there. It's the same idea. As he, so we. As he left the comfort of heaven, we're to leave. We need to go to where people are. And so to leave the comfort of the, of the church to go the, where they are. Part of what we talked about yesterday, uh, and a big thing I think for you all moving forward, as most churches are trying to figure this out, is to not just say, oh, uh, here's our fishing pond all around here. We're just going to catch all the fish out there. Well, praise the Lord, that would be great. But the better strategy is to identify which specific fish in this pond you call the West Shore is God calling you as Christ Church West Shore to, to be on mission to or to fish for, so to speak. Because the more you can identify the specific people that God's calling you to be on mission to, the better you can develop strategies to actually connect with them and bring them to know Jesus. And again, I'm not enough of a fisherman to really be an expert on this point, but I know enough to know that if, if, you're, if you've identified that we're going to try to catch marlin, 
Um, that's a completely different strategy to catch a marlin than it is to catch a bass. Completely different kind of fishing. So we're just going to learn to do random fishing. Well, who knows what you're going to catch? But if you know, okay, God's calling us to reach this, then you can get, become experts at catching marlin or bass or whatever it is. You play out the analogy. Okay, make the point. So, so, so be, the second point is to be willing to leave the comfort, to, to go to where the fish are and bring, bring them in, so to speak. As he, so we. The next point, um, notice I didn't tell you how many points I had, by the way. I'm just saying the next one. The next, I, could, I could go all day. It's, there could be three. There could be more. We don't know. All right, so, so the next point um, is to, to be in real relationship with sinners. Be in real relationship with sinners. As he, so we. And, and, and this is important because as you go, we need to actually be in real relationship and develop relationships, get to know people know, and get to know specifically sinful people who don't know Jesus, who are maybe living in sinful ways. Heaven forbid. I think sometimes we expect, well, sinful people should somehow act like a mature Christian. Well, why? Why should we assume that someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus would live a life of, mat of a mature Christian life? I mean, most Christians don't live a mature Christian life really that well, to be honest. So, so we, you know, we've got to actually, sinful people who are maybe being sinful, we've got to actually engage them where they are. Why do I say that? As he, so we. Um, my, one of my favorite scriptures, I use it all the time, in just in life and in my, my, my church where I was a rector, as just to remind us what, what this looks like, is in Mark chapter 2, when Jesus had called Levi the tax collector and, and was then dining at his house with, remember, the tax collectors and sinners. Let me just read this to you. Um, you probably, maybe it's familiar. If not, it's, it's a great scripture to know. <clears throat> so it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, okay, just notice, listen to the what I emphasize here. He was having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many tax collectors and sinners who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners... They asked his disciples, why does he, Jesus, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Listen to this. I have not come, I wasn't sent, I have not come to call the righteous, or those who think they're righteous, but sinners. I wasn't sent, I was sent for sinners. So I'm dining with them, I'm eating with them. But I think what the, when it, clearly there's an emphasis in that passage on eating. He was dining with them. He was eating with them. They were eating. With, what, and the, notice what the Pharisees were upset with. They said, like they noticed he was eating with these people. And then he goes to the disciples, why, why is he eating with them? Really offensive. And I think that's significant because I think if Jesus, I don't know if this is true, but my speculation is if, if Jesus was just going up to tax collectors and sinners and maybe setting up a table and giving them some food once a month and saying, here, you're hungry, let me give you um, a meal. And then running back into the synagogue and, and having, that, uh, that was a nice little food giveaway we did. The Pharisees probably wouldn't have been like, well, that was nice. See, of course you should do that. We should do that. Or if they, maybe Jesus set up a backpack giveaway for everyone going back to school in, in August and was giving away some backpacks. And, you know, they probably would have been like, oh, that's great, Jesus. Good for you. You know, it's what relig religious people are supposed to do, nice deeds like that. But they were offended because he was eating with them, right? He was actually getting to know them and building relationship with them and doing life with them, these sinful people. As he, so we. And I think part of our problem as, Christ as the church 
in our times has been our, our primary missional way of being missional or doing outreach has been doing outreach and evangelism has been doing more of what we call what I call transactional kind of things where we, we do we give food away which is nothing wrong we should do that don't get me don't get me wrong or, or, or we give backpacks away we do these things to try to connect with people and, and serve people which is important but we do it in a transactional way smile and we're nice oh and we're pleasant and then hopefully because we were pleasant and we gave them something, they'll fall on their knees and say, let me accept Jesus as my savior. Or, 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 or let me run to church. Well, they might come. That sometimes happens. But my point is, the, as he, so we, what we need to shift to is not just to do transactional outreachy type things, but as we do outreachy type things, that we do it in such a way with people where we can build ongoing relationships with people where they are in order to earn the right to share Jesus with them. Build real relationships. Okay, so that's the third one. The next one, this is the fourth one, um, uh, is to, if you want to be, um, as he, so we, we need to be in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I said this earlier, so I won't belabor the, the main point, which is, which is we're not meant to do it alone. As he, so we. Jesus didn't even do the mission on his own power. Remember, he was, it was until after his baptism that he went out starting to proclaim the kingdom of God and doing miracles and all the, all the things he did. It was only after the baptism where the Holy Spirit as a dove came down upon him, right? And then, and then, then look at what it says in John 5. Or I'll read it to you. John 5, 19 to 20, uh, verse 19. It says, so Jesus said to, he was teaching, he said, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. That's Jesus. He said, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatsoever the Father does, the Son does also. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. And then he goes on to talk about the miracles he's doing. But he, he wasn't just on his own power trying to go around establishing the kingdom, and rescuing sinners. He was doing it in, one, in oneness with the Father, listening to the Father's lead. What do you want me to do now, Father? What do you want me to do now? And, and, and just doing it all in lockstep. And when the miracles happened, it was because the Father said, I want you to heal this person. And someone got healed and then the, the gospel was presented. So it's, we're meant to do it in his presence and power, not on our own. And real quickly, I, I want to just sort of lay out, I, I think what, what we see in Jesus' ministry and then in the book of Acts is this sort of combination of demonstration and proclamation. So there's a demonstration of the power of God and through whether it's, it might have been a service thing like feeding the 5,000, but there's this miraculous thing that happened or could have been healing uh, the blind or whatever it was. There was a demonstration of the kingdom of God and went, oh my gosh, what is this? And then that was followed by a proclamation of the kingdom of God, which is like, let me tell you what it is. The kingdom of God is at hand. And repent and believe. So, so a demonstration and proclamation, and that happened in the book of Acts, the disciples filled with the spirit, demonstration, healings, miracles, proclamations of the gospel. Well, I think that's the same model that we want to have. We want to have demonstrations of, of, of the truth of the kingdom of God, whether that's through acts of love or, frankly, miracles. Why not? As he, so we. Um, and then followed by proclamation of the gospel. And trust that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal himself as we, as we go about. Real quick story. I know I'm kind of probably going a little long, but um, I'm leaving, so you, you, know, you can be mad at Father Gene. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, but uh, uh, but, um, but at my church, we, we were trying to practice this, but there was a, there was a, a, a young dad and mom, a couple named, uh, dad was named Joe, and he was raised Catholic, and his, um, his, 
he had one daughter who was about 10 at this point, and his, his Catholic mom was really anxious that, that that baby girl, that 10-year-old girl, hadn't been baptized yet. It's like, you got to get this, ba- this girl baptized, because what if, right? And so, and so just, he, he was just getting this constant pressure from her mo- his mom <clears throat> to get the, his daughter baptized. So he was like, just to, get, just to get his mom off his back, he's like, fine. I'll, so he picks some random church, which happened to be ours. He's like, he wasn't going to be Catholic, but he's like, Tell me, this Anglican thing looks sort of like in the middle. I don't know. We'll go to the, So he randomly picks us, shows up, says, I want to get my daughter baptized. I said, praise the Lord. That's great. To do that, you've got to join our church and, and become a member here. And, uh, and if he's a member, then we'll, we'll baptize. He said, fine. Again, he's just, I've got to get mom off my back. So he comes to the, the membership class. In the membership class, I explain the gospel. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to, to be saved. This is what baptism is about. And I give an invitation to accept Christ as your Savior if you've never done that before. Well, he, he believes. He gets saved. And he just becomes radically sold out for Jesus, fired up for Jesus. And kind of like Andrew and Peter in the Bible, he immediately has this desire to, and burden to share the gospel with his, his older brother um, named Larry. And so Joe, really brand new Christian, he's like, I, my brother Larry's got to know about Jesus. So he starts trying to you know, talk to him. Well, Larry, meanwhile, is a, Larry was a, a, a self-described angry atheist. He wasn't just like loosely, like, I don't but he was angry. He didn't believe in God. He was like 6'2", wore black all the time, shaved head, and just intimidating people. He was this angry, angry person. Well, anyway, so Joe's trying to share with Larry, and he's not getting very far. So then, and then we were doing a sermon series on, you know, that was trying to gear towards um, people who are interested in Christianity. So I said, well, invite your brother. So he invites his brother to come to church um, to, hear, to hear me preach about this, whatever the topic was. And... Um, so Larry, I found out later, but Larry agreed to come, and Joe was all excited Larry's coming. So I was excited, but so we found out later that Larry chose to come to church that day just because he wanted to pick a fight with this priest that messed his brother up with Jesus. <laughs> I didn't know that, thankfully, that I was like, so, so, but what happened was that he, he came, and when he walked into the back of the church, later I heard the story, he had this, he said he had this strange peace came over him, didn't really know what to do with it, so he kind of got freaked out and he left. Praise the Lord, because he would have beat me up pretty bad. I mean, whatever the fight was, I, I had no match. But anyway, so he left. I was like, great, okay. So, I don't know, maybe six months later, nine months later, nothing from Larry. But then Joe, we were having a men's kind of retreat day at the church, and uh, Joe was giving his testimony. So Joe said, hey, Larry, why don't you come hear me give my testimony? And Larry said, okay, I'll come. Found out later, Larry was like, well, I'm going to get a free lunch out of it, so I might as well go and get free lunch. So he, he comes somewhere in that day, um, we, as a lot of retreats happen, we said, to, we said um, okay, well, the Lord wants to speak to you, and you can have a relationship with the Lord, so we want everyone to just go find a quiet place, you know, if you run a Christian retreat, you do this kind of stuff all the time, just go find a quiet place, like take the next 20 minutes and just sit with the Lord and see what the Lord might say to you. <laughs> well, Larry thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, but I need to smoke a cigarette. So he goes out to the front of the building and he starts, he lights up a cigarette and, and then he, he says to the God he doesn't believe in, he says, okay, God, if you're real, I'll give you to the end of this cigarette to prove yourself. And then he hears a voice, a very clear voice that says, welcome home, what's taking you so long? And then he was really messed up. <laughs> so, I don't know, I don't even know that happened yet, but he came and he finds me, good big guy, very intimidating, he comes in, he's like, we need to talk this week. I was like, okay, great, he's called the office, set up an appointment. So he came in later that week with his wife, they sit down in my office, and he tells me all that whole story. And he says, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. I've got so many questions, and I said, I said, hey, look, here's the thing, Larry. 
It's all true. Everything about Jesus is true. The whole thing's true. So you can ask all the questions you want. You can study it. You can seek. You can get, you just find all, all the answers. And at the end of the day, when you have all the answers, it's by faith, you have to believe in Jesus for salvation. You can do that. Or you could just by faith believe in Jesus for salvation and then ask all your questions and you'll find it's all true. Either way, it's all true, so pick your path. Do you want to wait till you figure it all out by faith to believe, or just believe right now by faith? He looks over at his wife, and it's kind of like a car salesman moment. He's gonna, he looks over here, he's like, she goes, me, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> and they, they both pray and accept Jesus as Savior, and, and totally transform. I don't, I don't have time to tell you the rest of the transformation story, but, but my point of telling you that, it was demonstration and proclamation. It was, it was Joe going out and reaching out to his brother, and then, but it was, the, it was the Lord just sort of revealed himself. We had no control over that, God, but God wanted Larry saved. And then we were able to follow that with proclamation. So somehow, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, we're to go and just, he does his part, and we do our part, and people get saved and made disciples. Okay, last point, last point. As he, so we. The last point I want to make is I want to challenge you and, 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 and invite you to be what I call a yet person. Be a yet person. And you might go, okay, what in the world does that mean? Well, let me explain. As he, so we. I'm, well, I'm convinced that, I mean, I think you probably agree with me, that we really don't want to be missional, if we're honest. We really don't want to do evangelism. We don't want to go out to where the fish are swimming. And we, we would rather just not do it, not have to do it. I, w- I believe that God's given me the spiritual gift of evangelism, and if I'm honest, which I'll be honest with you, I'd rather not do it most of the time. I'd rather just sit in my, my literal lazy boy and binge watch TV or, or read football news all day. I mean, honestly, I, I, I prefer that. It's more comfortable. I like it. But it's not about what I want. And why am I saying this? As he, so we, Jesus didn't even want to do it all the time. Why do I say that? Look at Matthew 26, or, you know, you remember the story right before he was arrested. He's in the garden, he's praying, and look, and I'll read it to you. He says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground, Jesus, and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. There's any other way than me having to sacrifice myself, be crucified, which is horrible, and die for the sins of the whole world. I'd really rather not have to do that. If there's some other way, Let's call it now. Yet, there is no other way. So he says, yet, not as I will, but as you will. I won't really want to, yet, not my will be done, but your will be done. And again, if we're honest, I think it's okay to say, you know what, I'd really rather not. I'm, I'm tired. I've been there, done that. I'd, rather, I'd just rather not have to. I'd rather just be easy. I don't want to have to sacrifice of myself for that to happen. I'd rather stay in my comfort zone, whatever it is. Okay, true. Yet, not what I want, not about me, but your will be done. I'm willing to sacrifice myself as necessary, not to the point of death on the cross, saying, well, he already did that, but I'm willing to sacrifice myself as needed for the sake of even one more person in the West Shore to know Jesus and be made disciples. So let me just close with prayer and just invite you, if you're willing, uh, to just pray along with me and just, if you're willing to say, yes, I want to be a yet person. I'm, I'm willing, I'm in. I'll, I'll, I, I don't want to do it, but yeah, I'll be a yet person. My will, your will be done. Just pray along with me, if you will. And say, say yes to God as we pray this.
Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you, you showed us the way, Lord God. You came into the world. You left the comfort of heaven. You came into the world to save sinners, God. And you're sending us as you were sent. And you're giving us your spirit and your presence and your power and your knowledge and your, uh, all, that, all that you have is given to us that we, we can do it with you. Um, but Lord, if we're honest, we'd really rather not. Uh, we'd rather just it happen on its own without us having to do our part. Um, God, but that's not the plan. The plan is that you've sent us. So God, we say yes to your call. Yes, Lord, uh, I don't want to yet. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Send me as you are sent. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.